My presentation today uh, is about the concrete proposal for conflict settlement uh, on South China Sea disputes, and I'm trying to review uh, a few uh, concrete proposals. Um, so uh, next, uh, next page. Um, I, um, as a self-introduction, um, my training is focused on conflict resolution, not a political scientist. Uh, so, um, from the perspective of conflict resolution, um, we believe, um, uh, you know, the conflict proposal is very important for the conflict management and conflict resolution of a dispute. Uh, I just listed here several reasons what we believe the proposals are important. Uh, first, the concrete proposals can stimulate critical thinking and a constructive discussion on resolution. Um, even though concrete proposal in the early stage maybe sounds not very realistic, uh, but it can help to break down complicated issues uh, into several sub-issues or step-by-step over the different time period. And can also use to test water and serve as a basis for formal negotiations. Uh, we have to say that uh, South China Sea disputes has generated a lot of research. There are actually not many uh, focus on all actually provide concrete proposals for solution. Uh, I think this is area maybe we could uh, make efforts and this is also the area that structures had really gave contribution. Uh, next page. Um, for concrete proposal um, I think there's a, if we try to evaluate uh, this proposal, there's a several criteria that you could use. Of course, a good proposal should be desirable, should be durable, should have a higher level of viability. Um, so I listed here several uh, items maybe we could use to evaluate this proposal. Uh, so I roughly put them in, into these three categories. Uh, so for example, in terms of feasibility, uh, we believe timing is important. Um, so now uh, I listened to uh, several sessions of discussion for this conference. I, I, uh, I, um, I think I several participants mentioned about, for example, after the arbitration and also the um, especially after the two elections, the election in the United States and the elections in the Philippines, uh, the new leaders, new presidents actually put quite a dramatic change. Uh, so we actually currently facing a new reality compared with one year ago, two years ago. So maybe now is a good time um, for us to introduce concrete uh, peace proposals for the South China Sea disputes. Uh, next page, please. Uh, so my, um, I'm working on a chapter in my book, and uh, so um, I mainly discussed uh, three approaches. Of course, that uh, in each of the 
the approach I have included as passive scholars and their articles, but mainly the three approaches for concrete proposal. First one is delimitation of maritime borders. The second one is focus on the uh, ownership of the islands, especially the determination of the plastic features. Uh, the third one is joint uh, Next one, please. Um, when we talk about the demarcation of maritime borders in South China, I think we have mentioned this book, uh, important work uh, by Mark Bellinger. It's actually uh, published in 1997, but uh, I, I think it's still very uh, valuable to us, especially in terms of uh, uh, concrete proposals. And also, I think is a special value of the book is that it gives uh, um, uh, different factors to be used in terms, especially for the demarcation of the countries. So uh, this book actually focuses on using the principle of accurate uh, distance, but also uh, includes the consideration like the length of the coastlines. Uh, and and uh, very interesting, I think, very uh, important way is uh, what, he, what he called the real quality, the both equity, and for example, for consideration of different countries, like giving maybe a little bit more consideration for the finances, it's published in 1997. Uh, if we look at today's situation, this kind of real quality consideration may be even more uh, practical. Uh, next page. Uh, so, um, uh, I cannot see the screen, so can you say, I don't know whether you can see the, the, the map here. Uh, this is a rough determination of the South China Day without, uh, you know, not taking any decision of any islands. Uh, so roughly it's based on the uh, EEZ boundaries, so it looks like that. Not uh, for the islands are taken into account. Uh, so next page. Uh, um, this map is not very clear because I scanned from uh, uh, his book. Uh, this is the first map. It's uh, this one is ignoring the subtractly, but giving the parallel features full effect. As Chinese tarot. So consider Paris now Chinese character. And then the demarcation looks like if you look at this, uh, uh, can you see the line? The, you can roughly say that uh, you know, China got you know, much bigger portion of the South Chinese, but still not reach the center of the especially strategy. Um, so I don't know whether the Chinese side would be happy with this demarcation. This just gave the, uh, another kind of like scenario. Uh, so this is the first approach. We have several other articles, scholars, they gave different ideas, but all focused on the demarcation of the boundaries. Uh, next page. The second which I discussed in my chapter a lot about, especially I believe many of you know about uh, Dr. Stephen Coxon. Uh, 
Um, and uh, he wrote several articles, including an earlier one and a recent one, uh, focused on the determination of the properly features. Uh, so, gives, uh, uh, for example, several principles that uh, whether the countries can negotiate, uh, for example, that the uh, island within area that the part of the country's continental shift doesn't automatically give the country authority over it. And also, next page. Um, and he hope all the countries, all the parties agree that none of the surprises satisfy the consideration for having more than twice uh, nautical male territory waters. Uh, this is actually he published much earlier, but it's actually somehow go along with the being the arbitration. Um, and also he he recommend big land recognize Chinese sovereignty in the parasol. I don't know how um, um, uh, feasible this one is part of the recommendation uh, to the. Um, but this is a uh, uh, this approach on the ownership of the islands. He believes that if we can have a termination of the features in practice, that would be very helpful for uh, finding a solution for the Chinese. Okay, next page. Uh, The third approach is joint development. We know that joint development has now been, uh, you know, especially the Chinese studies is not eighty just talked about joint development, but uh, uh, there's no concrete proposal coming out. Um, my discussion uh, is mainly based article I published earlier. I published a Chinese article in 2011 and another English article. Uh, 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 last year, uh, books about the different ideas of joint development. Um, um, then I uh, uh, noticed that there are also some other uh, suggestions proposed on joint development. The joint development approach became more uh, attractive. One of the reasons is uh, people believe that the demarcation of the ocean space and the uh, determination of the features be extremely difficult, uh, especially for the politics, nationalism, and so making negotiation very uh, difficult. And also another reason I mentioned in my article is that uh, people very often when we talk about the South China Sea disputes, we focus on the islands, we focus on the ocean space. Actually, for the uh, countries uh, involved in, uh, actually, um, a very important reason they, uh, the, for the disputes is people focus on the oil and gas resources. Um, so, the, most of the islands or the features, they are. are uh, not suitable for breeding, and there's also not very high uh, strategic value. Uh, but uh, if we focus on the oil and gas resources, uh, especially because current tension, because of the conflict, no country can really conduct the 
when the log just keep to uh, how you have the acid sporulations of uh, made to the joint venture, the joint development and the uh, feasible approach. Next page. Um, for the quick proposal in terms of joint development, uh, I think one of the ideas that we, we that the countries can start bilaterally. Uh, bilateral or multilateral <laughs> and they can conduct the oil and gas exploration processing transportation and by doing this uh, the countries they don't need to negotiate to find a definite a delimitation of maritime boundaries and the island's ownership. Each country can keep its own priorities regarding the sovereign issues. And also, uh, but of course, the difficult part is that they need to negotiate about the, the percentage of shares for each party to have in this joint venture, uh, joint ventures. This could also be difficult to, uh, several other considerations can be put into the negotiation just that we mentioned in the approach one, approach two, regarding like the expansion of the chemical shift, uh, the history involving discovery, and also the baseline, uh, and UNESCO, uh, the uh, different, um, you know, the principles of the hunt can also be used for negotiation. Uh, next page. Uh, and also uh, trying to further uh, to reduce the influence of domestic politics and nationalism. Maybe we could also in the negotiation of the percentage of shares among the parties, the joint ventures, we also include the different new factors into the negotiation. So trying to make it the more kind of like economic negotiation on a you know economic treaty rather than on the because the mass politics be very sensitive and this territory ownership of islands. So these new factors I just give some like the brainstorm ideas. For example, make China offer opportunity for exploration and China also now has developed the technology this Hyogeo uh, uh, can conduct this kind of explorations because of this, make check that additional, uh, you know, percentage of their and uh, countries like Malaysia, Philippines, and Vietnam, uh, because maybe they are more closer to the oil and gas warehouse and they provide and processing the plants. And so they also get some additional uh, share for this joint approach. And trying to reduce the further reduce the difficulties of negotiation and just uh, talked about a uh, uh, temporary or interim uh, um, contract for like uh, just a short short period of time, five or ten years agreement. And after that, we can wait and see uh, the you know whether the uh, it's uh, feasible for to have longer uh, you know uh, uh, agreement. 
and um, uh, the by de-emphasizing the sovereignty and ownership issues, um, maybe we have to reduce the impact of domestic politics and nationalism, and also the inclusion of these new factors can make the sovereignty issue not sensitive. Okay, so. Um, actually, we noticed that, the, um, for example, the Chinese uh, Prime Minister, Minister Wang Yi just uh, visited the uh, Philippines uh, not long ago, and uh, President Duterte also mentioned uh, openly that uh, uh, Philippines is welcome this kind of ideas of joint corruptions for the two countries already begin to talk about this idea. I don't know whether there's any concrete proposals or any concrete plan between the two countries. But I think, just like I mentioned earlier, it may be a, a, a good time. The window of opportunity may be is a tool for uh, you know, countries in Ukraine to talk about the But uh, uh, for making the negotiation more effective, I think it's very important that we have concrete proposals on the table. How the scholars can providing the different proposals and to, like I, also like I mentioned earlier, to stimulate the uh, critical thinking and, and uh, positive uh, discussion. Uh, on this issue. So I think I will stop and want to listen to the other uh, partners for their presentation and uh, uh, looking forward to your questions and comments. Thank you.